Ladies and gentlemen, presented by the WZWA Network, it's the Insider's Edge Podcast with your host, California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge Podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, everyone, uh, I am so pumped up because I have the opportunity right here to talk to the longest reigning ECW Tag Team Champions in history. You all know who they are. It's the Super Destroyers. It's Doug. It's AJ. Hey, going, boys. What's happening? All right. It's live, baby. It's live. Talk to me, AJ. You're always live. <laughs> What's up, brothers? It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you both on the show. Um, so this is how it's going to go, guys. Uh, when I ask a question, I'll get one of you to answer it first, then go to to uh, your tag team partner for uh, their answer as well, if they have anything else to add to whatever the story may be. Uh, but boys, great to have you on. Super Destroyer 1, Super Destroyer 2. Uh, but I have to ask the usual question that I always ask everybody on the show. And we're going to start with Super Destroyer 1 here, AJ. Uh, how did you become a wrestling fan before you got involved in the business? Oh, my God. You know what? Back in the day, I'm Italian descent. My grandparents were from Italy, and they used to watch Saturday nights, Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons, all weekends with the wrestling. And, of course, Bruno San Martino was their favorite. So that kind of stuck with me for quite a while, thinking about it. Because as kids, that's all that's what we would do. We would watch the TV and watch the wrestling no, it didn't really do anything, actually. So when I went to high school, I became a wrestler, and I was pretty good, actually. And uh, I was in a 180-pound division. And uh, like I said, I was pretty good, athletically inclined. And then as we get older, of course, we have a family, and we move on, and we, uh, we have to work for a living. And it just so happens... We got laid off from uh, where I worked at Bethlehem Steel in Pennsylvania here. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I got kind of sort of became an alcoholic. I started drinking. I was gaining weight. I was over 300 pounds. And my father said to me the one day, he goes, listen, if you're waiting to get called back to work, what are you waiting for? It'll never happen because things happen in life. So get your ass moving and do something. So I started getting in shape, actually. Started running, started doing some calisthenics. And this is this should be in a book. And I was approached by Lehigh University and Penn State University to write a book on this. I was running up by Jim Thorpe's tomb, Jim Thorpe's monument in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And this freaking limousine pulls up alongside of me. And who's inside of it but Captain Lou Albano, Tony Altimore, and Chief J. Strongbow in this guy from Jim Thorpe that I knew for my whole life, Tom Chapman, who turned out to be a WWF referee. And they said that uh, he pulled over and he said, you know, I told him about you got you and uh, they would like you to come to a wrestling show. And I thought, yeah, right. And I just kept running. I thought this is bullshit. <laughs> so I went up the road a little bit. They pulled over again and, uh, 
Tony Altamore looks up and said, listen, we want you to come to a show up in Madison Square Garden with the, your friend, the referee here. And we're not kidding. We're looking for talent. And this is 1983. I thought, well, yeah. All wow. right, let's see what happens. 1983. Holy moly. So anyway, you know. I, I just got out of high school in 81. I don't think we were born yet. Well, anyway, <laughs> the, story, the story goes that uh, I guess the next week or so, Tommy picks me up with his son and we go to Madison Square Garden, New York. And we get sat down right up front. And the main event that night was Sergeant Slaughter against Jimmy Superfly Snooker, where Snooker dived off the top of the steel cage onto the Sarge. And afterwards, Tom came down and he took us to the Radisson Hotel and met all the guys there. And I thought, well, this isn't too bad. But then, of course, we didn't get the hell home till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning under the weather. And uh. I thought, well, that's, you know, that's what's going to happen to this. Next thing I know, a couple of weeks later, they, Tom calls and says they want you to come to uh, Agricultural Hall in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where they did all the television taping. So I thought, OK, we'll get there. So Tom picks me up alone. We get down there, takes me in the dressing room. Who do I meet? Well, Dave Barbie from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Mario Mancini from Connecticut, and another some of the other guys. And all the pro wrestlers were in there. And uh, they gave us these security shirts. And I thought, what the hell is this? So anyway, we were a security. And that's, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're, we're nobody. We don't wear marks like yesterday. <laughs> so we put the shirts on and we we're going outside and we we're around the ring. And that's the night that uh, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas beat the Samoans for the tag team titles and bust the, the wooden chairs over one of the Samoans' head. And one of the wooden uh, spikes went right through their neck and had to be surgically removed, to be honest. Oh, man. And then after which that, uh, they took. Really? Wow. Yeah, I don't remember which one it was, but the, after that, they took him away. They called us into the dressing room. And uh, Altamore comes up and says, Listen, they want you, Barbie, and Mancini to come up to the school in Connecticut. They are interested in you guys. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I got a family with two young kids. And it's almost Christmas time. Are these guys serious? And I said, well, I have to think about it. And he said, well, don't think too long. Passarello's Quest is a new school that we opened up for Vince. And uh, we'll talk about it. So I thought, oh, boy, I better go home and talk to the family. So I'm telling my wife this. And she said, well, what's this going to be? I don't know. So we made contact. And they said it's going to cost $3,000 to train. You got to join the gym. I thought, well. Let's check it out. So Tom Chapman, the referee, picks me up. He drives all the way up there, and we look, and it's brand new. The ring set up. Passarello, Kenny was there. He was uh, Mr. Universe or something, and he was tied in with Tony Altamore in the office. And I thought, well, I guess we'll give it a shot. The day before Christmas in 1983, I took off and went up there. And, uh, wow! Next thing I you didn't know, know that part. Well, 
I, I sold a 66 Corvette convertible for five grand so I could join the gym and to pay for this. You hear that? Hmm. 66 Corvette convertible. Yeah. And wow. today, you know, you know what that's worth today, right? A ton. But anyway, that's how it started. And when I got up there, we met a lot of the guys and uh, Tony Altamore would bring in the Belomo and Hulk Hogan and some of the big shots, even to, to train us a little bit. And in three months, usually we, we signed a contract for a year. And in three months, I had my first show in Phillipsburg, New Jersey against B. Brian Blair. And that's what started. Wow. I know. I talked too story. much, right? No, that's great. It was really, uh, that was really interesting. Uh, you know, it, it felt like I was watching a movie in my head as you were telling me about all of that. So that's really cool, AJ. Uh, and Doug, now your turn. Uh, can you please tell me about how you became a fan and, and how that ended up leading you into getting into the business? Wow. I Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to, in comparison to AJ's. But I was, uh, I started boxing when I was 14 years old. I was 14 years old. I had my first fight. I fought a 21-year-old. I won. And then uh, ended up having a ton of boxing matches. And I started boxing because the new movie back then, I mean, way before your time, was Rocky. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to I be a boxer. And he's like, okay, kind of chuckled and took me down to the boys club. So I met a guy who changed my life, Dick Hess. And um, I was able to learn how to box. I was an amateur boxer for a lot of years. I went into the Army. I boxed for the Fort Bragg boxing team. I never gave it. I, I did some wrestling in high school. And because of my boxing, I mean, <laughs> I was totally unorthodox type of wrestler in high school. I mean, I was the guy that would pin somebody and get up and do this, like, to each corner. And there was nobody in the corner. I was just, like, the boxing style. Uh, but anyhow, I, I went into the Army. I boxed for the Fort Bragg boxing team. I ended up having a parachute accident. So um, I couldn't stay on the boxing team. I did my time in the Army. I get out of the Army, and I'm thinking, I want to go professional. So I start training professionally, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of uh, road work, you know, running, boxing, training. And um, I ran into a guy by the name of Neil Kerikoff. Neil Karakoff and I have known of each other for years in, in Hagerstown. And a lot of people would say we look so similar that um, they would think we were brothers. So Neil, I met him through his father, Dick Karakoff. And uh, Neil said, hey, man, I'm going up to check out this boxing thing up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I said, Neil, that stuff's fake. I don't want to do that stuff. I mean, I box. I mean, I've, I've gotten hit in the head. I mean, I hit. You know, I, I love the competition and everything. He said, no, check it out. You make more money and blah, blah, blah. So he and I make this journey up to Allentown, Pennsylvania, from Hagerstown, Maryland, three-hour drive. We get up there, and we go to Arthur's house. Now, Arthur's in the basement. His wife lets us in. Arthur's in the basement, and, and Rocky Johnson's in, in the basement also. He's in this, like, this recliner, and he's going back and forth. And Rocky Johnson could not keep his mouth shut. He's just running. He's, he's flapping his jaws all evening. And he said, I should do some kind of Dolph Lundgren or something, you know, like from, you know, the Rocky fault. Because back then I was much thinner and leaner because after getting out of the Army and boxing, I was like 230, 235. Um, but anyhow, so 
I talked off of that night and uh, talked to Neil. And lo and behold, I didn't have the 2500 or three grand. And for some reason, Arthur took a liking to me. And I went up there, moved in. Neil and I got a one-bedroom apartment in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And uh, <laughs> it, it was funny. We lived in this one-bedroom one apartment. Uh, I worked at two different places. One was Applebee's in the kitchen. And the other was uh, Living Well Fitness. I worked at Living Well Fitness Center. In this Living Well Fitness Center, Rocky Johnson would come in. Um, Dwayne would come in at night after school. And I remember Dwayne coming in, but I didn't pay much attention to the kid. I mean, he was just a big kid. He was quiet. He was actually a quiet, very humble kid. And then on the other side of the gym, his father would be running his jaws all day. It was nothing like his father. And once in a while, Dwayne would ask me, he and his buddy were in there. Once in a while, he'd ask me to hold him down while he did his lat pull downs. He'd do the whole stack. And, you know, I could hold him down because I was kind of big then. And uh, sometimes I wish I should have been nicer to him. <laughs> but you never know, you know. I mean, the guy's done so well. He's 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 done a, a, a marvelous job. He's a, he's become a great actor. I mean, he's I mean, everybody knows him by, you know, The Rock. Yeah. So, but anyhow, so I started training and um, I, I did that, and, and it, it it in the evenings, you know, we would just goof off, and and eventually, Alpha left his wife. He and his wife broke up. And Arthur and his son moved in with us in this one bedroom apartment, and it was some. It was a, it was a weird kind of situation. <laughs> so we lived together for probably we Neil and I were there for about a year off of Airport Road up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and we wrestled. We trained in this uh, training center, which was down below the bowling alley. So Neil and I would work in this bowling alley at, as bouncers, and uh, I lost signal. I don't know. Am I still here? You're still here. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Neil and I would work as bouncers at this uh, bowling alley. That's how rough it was. And um, I don't know. But the, the training center was down below. And I remember one time making a commercial with Alpha. And they come in, they filmed this, and Alpha come out, come out of this glass door and accidentally kicked this glass door where we had this gym and the whole thing just shattered. <laughs> I think it was caught on tape, but um, it was an interesting life living in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then I got to travel and then I got to travel with Alpha. I uh, got to go down to Pensacola, Florida. We got to go down there and uh, because Sika was living in Pensacola and then we stayed out there for a month at a time broke broke coming back i had to have my mother uh my mom and dad uh, had to wire us money i think it was uh when they have wire money back then aj um i forget they had to wire us money just to pay the gas to get <laughs> back home. what's that i believe you yeah i forget what the name of it was it was something you'd go and pick up money or something like that but that's what we did to uh to get back home. So when I originally went into wrestling, I was like, this is, this is fake. I don't want I don't, I mean, it's goofy and I don't want anything to do with it. And then the next thing you know, I, I, I love the business and I started doing it. And I, 
I started selling cars because I wasn't making a ton of money and I really didn't get anywhere. I mean, I did the thing with uh, Alpha and Neil and Neil's father had his own leg and stuff like that. But what happened later on, of course, is uh, I get a call from AJ and AJ was looking for uh, the second destroyer. He had some things going on with, was it Ron Shaw? Ron Shaw, yeah. Yeah, Ron Shaw was kind of done with the business at that time. You called me, I went up, we did our thing, and and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah, and then we we brought in Hunter Q. Robbins the third. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Our manager. Absolutely. Uh, I've I've actually got that written down to ask about him. Um, but Kmart you know, suit. I I I I want to hold off on on Hunter at this stage because uh, there's uh, a few other things I want to get to before I start to really sink my teeth into some super destroyers talk. Uh, AJ, uh -huh. uh, 1984, right? You start working uh, with the WWF. I've got, I've got a list of guys here that I'm going to bring up uh, that I've seen that you had the chance to work with: uh, David Schultz, Iron Mike Sharp, Rocky Johnson, Blackjack Mulligan. Barry Windham, Tito Santana, Hillbilly Jim, JYD, Rene Goulet, the Bulldogs, Snooker, Piper, Orndorff, Predger, Morales, George the Animal Steel, all the way until 1986. There's a lot to unpack there, AJ. Uh, but can you tell me any stories of this time period uh, and, and, and anything that you could bring up through, through these years of working with all these tremendous people? Wow. Is it that many? And there's ones that you don't even know about. Yeah, there was a lot that I left off the list too. Uh. <laughs> well, you know what? In the, be the beginning years when we were, when I first started, they put me under a mask in Madison Square Garden as the uh, assassin along with Jardine, which was, what the hell was he went under the hood? Al Jardine. Oh my God. The spoiler. Okay. against Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. And uh, that was my first induction, actually one of the first matches that we had because they needed somebody. And, uh, of course, we got our asses kicked in a couple of minutes. And I got uh, one, of the, one of those kicks under the mask, and they busted my jaw. And I started bleeding, and they brought us back in the dressing room then, and uh, Lou Albano comes up and says, How you doing, kid? Well, you got your initiation? You all right? Everything's good. Pay the man. That's what he said to the guy at uh, the booker or the, uh, the guy that was taking care of the money. And he said, pay the guy. So that was my first induction under the mask. But the other guys, usually when we were first starting the train up there and we were starting to, to go with these guys, they brought in this other guy by the name of Harley Davidson. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes. Hillbilly Jim. They brought him in from down south when he was just bring, brought up there. And I was the guy that would pick him up at the airport in uh, Connecticut. So we, we had a little repertoire. So with his help, too, and with my re uh, referee friend, I got to work with a lot of people. I used to travel with uh, Nikolai Volkov and Sal Belomo and some of them guys. But there was a lot of things behind the scenes. The one time they called me in the office, Mark Sadacek was a relation to, let me think, George the Animal Steel. He was a nephew. So he comes, he calls me in the office 
He closes the door. He unplugs the phones. He puts towels under the doors, closes the windows and shades. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? Right. I'm getting, I'm getting a little worried here. He says, listen. He said, we got something cooking here. There's a radio station upstate New York, B104, and it's like a bumblebee. And uh, they got a great plan here that Vince is high on. They're going to give us free publicity, and they're going to do all this newspaper stuff and the radio stuff that a mafia kingpin died. And in his will, he left all hotels I love and all this, all this craziness. And at the last thing, they owned a professional wrestler by the name of Fracture Franzberg. Love and we this. would like you to portray the character, which I do have to this day, a picture of myself in this outfit with, they had a guy dressed up like a mafia kingpin with the pinstripes and the stogie. And they had the operator of the radio station and they would walk me out to the ring. And guess what? I never lost. And I was beating guys like Jim Powers, S.D. Jones, and Rene Goulet and those guys, but they couldn't tell who I was. They couldn't say, and here I am, a nobody from nowhere. And I had this hand, a glove that was made eh, almost like a, pun a heart punch thing. And Rene Goulet went ballistic when he seen it. He said, that's my gimmick, and I don't want him. He's nobody from nowhere. And all of a sudden, uh, Gorilla Monsoon come out, and he said, listen, Vince wants him to do this. This is the new thing. We're getting all this free stuff. So he's doing it. Bruno San Martino comes out of the dressing room and says, no Italian's going to be dressed like a goddamn Skazinski. Oh. And I thought, man, I'm getting fired already. And I didn't even start yet. But then right. Gorilla Monsoon calls Vince up at the office at night or his private phone and says he's doing it. He tells them all, you just do what I tell you. And he did it. And I did it for quite some time. And it was, that's another one of those where I actually learned my lesson here. I don't see it hanging here, but I got it here somewhere. If I can, when Doug takes over, I might quick show, oh, I can't show it to you. <laughs> but anyway, that was a French, French, Fracture Fransberg. And when I went over to Australia on that tour, they gave it to Mario Mancini and then they killed it. Because uh, there was a hell of a difference between my size yeah. and the way I looked compared to him but anyway that all that all transpired into uh the tours overseas some of the people that i beat that they wouldn't show or the confrontation with d david schultz after he busted mario mario mancini's face and then uh i had to have a confrontation with dr d and he was a little concerned because when i had a match with him down at uh the Philadelphia Spectrum, and he punched me in the face, and I wouldn't go down. It, all hell broke loose there again. I thought we were getting fired, and <laughs> but we learned a lesson. Tony Altimore actually stood up with us and said, "When we trained you, we trained you to go head to head with anybody, and you probably could beat anybody." And then you know things got a little opened up for us. We did some tours of Saudi Arabia, New Zealand, Australia, so we did okay. I'm sure Doug went on a few trips too. Yeah, very I did. Cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was going to throw it to Doug now because uh, I was looking at some of your early career 
and I'd seen um, you'd done you'd worked with uh, the likes of the Fantastics, the Steiner Brothers, Tim Horner, etc. Um, so yeah. uh, whilst AJ's kind of doing the WWF thing, you're you know, you know uh, was it NWA? I think NWA. I did. NWA, uh, I was. Yeah. Uh, I go um, once in a while. I go under the the mask, uh, and then of course uh, I did. I did some jobs with the NWA. Uh, again, you know, like I said uh, earlier, before we get on this call, I was, um, I did, um, um, I'm sorry, WCW. I just got distracted. What's that? WCW. WCW. I did some WCW at Cobb County uh, Civic Center down in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, had some fun down there. And then, of course, I started getting some, uh, I got some dark shows, some uh, dark shows with the WWF back in the day. I was getting phone calls and I was going to work. I mean, I wasn't going over, but at that time I really wasn't jobbing because I guess I was kind of big back then. I mean, I remember one time working, I don't know if it was, it had to have been NWA or WCW. Uh, what's his name? Bill, uh, not Bill, what the heck, Ron Simmons got the strap that night in ba at the Baltimore arena. And um, I took, uh, I was one of his first matches. Now he really didn't get it but because it was a, a bunch of tapings, but uh, I ended up uh, matching up with him and he didn't squash me or anything, but we had a good time. It was a good match. And, um, but I did get the tour with the Fantastics. I got the tour a couple different times, got to go to Hawaii and Guam and, uh, that's uh, JYD was there, Kerry Vonnieri. Um, I'm trying to think of um, who was that guy in Florida? Uh, or not Florida, but Hawaii. Uh, who was that Tim big Curtis. dude in Hawaii? No, I can't think of his name. Morocco. Oh, Don Morocco. Morocco. Yeah, yeah Don Morocco. And then. Uh, you know, I was in the locker rooms with, uh, what's his name, uh, Van Vader and all those guys, and Lex Luger and stuff when I used to work with the NWA. But uh, I, I remember one time Van Vader come up to me, and I was putting on this uh, this knee brace. And he goes, what the hell is that? And I said, it's a knee brace. He said, I've had nine surgeries, and I don't wear anything like that. And I said, well, I've had three. And hopefully I won't have to have nine. He just looked at me, smart ass. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was green and growing back then. You know, I, I didn't want to piss anybody off. I mean, I was doing the, you know, the, the uh, ECW and everything. But it was a good time. It was, traveling with Kerry and um, Orndorff and all those guys. Orndorff and uh, what was that one, guys? I can't think of names today. It's been a long day. But I uh, had a really, really good time especially with the Fantastics. They were great. Bobby uh, was great. And then, of course, I still keep in touch with those guys on Facebook. Bobby had some cancer a while back and wasn't doing so hot. Hopefully he's doing well now. But, um, yeah, so I did get to travel and stuff, but nothing like AJ. AJ, AJ had a good break, and he took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, it was it was a fun ride. Well, that's cool. And uh, now we're going to start talking about some Super Destroyer stuff. Uh, and I wanted to know from you both, uh, 
When did you two first meet? Uh, what, were, what were both of your first impressions of one another? Uh, we'll start with Doug. Oh, well, right away, I was like, he runs his mouth too much. He's like Rocky Johnson, this guy. He, he's, <laughs> uh, he would run the, he wasn't in charge of the locker room, but he would run it. You know what I mean? It wasn't, he wasn't calling everybody a jabroni, but he was putting people in his play in their places. And, um, he, 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 uh, he commanded. He had a commanding voice, and he, he, uh, he people looked up at him, looked looked up to him, and uh, I was like, "Who's this guy?" <laughs> and then I started you know, realizing because back then you didn't have the internet, and then people were talking. Well, oh man, he, he was in the WWF and this and that, but you know, I knew people like, uh, man, I can't think of these names tonight. Um, shoot. The Patriot, not the original Patriot. Who's the Who's the other Patriot? Tom, uh, Tom Brandy. Tom Brandy. Tom Brandy was my first match. Right. Alpha put that together. <laughs> he was my first match. It was it was a pencil match. The whole thing was a pencil, you know. And uh, I borrowed John Rambo's boots. They were size twelve, and I wore thirteen. <laughs> and he let me borrow his boots until I got my, my boots were on order, but they had not come in yet. So I ended up, uh, I borrowed his boots and, uh, you know, Tom Brandy and I, we did a, uh, I don't know, for, I don't know, 10, 12 minute match. We were doing arm drags and everything else. And, uh, my arm felt like he ripped it out of its, out of the shoulder, but it was a fun time. And, uh, it was a good match, but, uh, yeah. But when I first met AJ, I was like, Man, this guy, he's got something going on. And then when did we really start talking? Did you reach out to me via phone or what? Well, Hunter Q was in between all of this. He he kind of sort of I don't know if you came that time with that your friend Ricky. I think I did. That's right. You came and uh, Hunter Q, Ron was leaving because when Ron and I went down the where the hell were you with Crockett? We went down to Crockett there for a little bit before ECW. And uh, Larry Winters was with us. We went down there. And Ron and I worked with the, oh, my God. When we walked in the dressing room and they knew us from WC, WWF, they, they, oh, my God, what are these guys doing down here? Something with the Patriots. Uh, anyway, when we walked, when we were up there at ECW, we were running the colonial wrestling school out of Palmerton and they invited I us down that. there. Well, I remember that's where we met. Okay, that's uh what's his met. name? George Miller's uh old George Miller. There you go. That's and it. They invited he owned a car dealership. I was selling cars. Doug, Doug uh Flex, Yazinski or whatever was, was working Flex. for him at one time. Yeah. So we went remember down that? there. You were there with Rick and something else. And I forget, Todd Gordon and uh, Larry Sharp, or no, Larry Winters was running the show then at that time when Joel Goodhart lost everything to Todd. Mm. So uh, when me and when myself and Ron went in as the executioners or something, and we went in there and beat up a couple of guys, Ron said, that's it, I've had it, this ain't going nowhere. And Hunter Q grabbed me, and he got you, 
and said, you guys want to do something together? And that's when we yeah. came up with the black outfit and the mask and the super destroyers. And let me tell you something. We were nuts. When you look at some of our old films there and our old tapes, we were bad. I mean, we broke. Yeah, we were. Uh, we broke that one guy's leg there with the pit bull, Gary Wolf. Yeah. Oh, I broke his leg. I yeah, broke his leg. A long time. Yeah. That wasn't intentional. No, that was not intentional. No, that was an accident. But we we put on such a show. I was remember I used to go climbing up those fences like no tomorrow. It was just we were out of control, oh. and we were yeah. good though. I mean, we had yeah. things. You pick the guy up and slam him. I do a flip off the top rope. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But. Remember we, then yeah. they brought the NWA guys up with Gil, and we beat them. We held two belts yeah. at one time. Barry Hardy. What yeah, uh, what was it? NWA? Gil and Barry Hardy. Yep. They were we big jobbers for uh, WWF. Yeah. And Super nice guys. Super good guys. And they, and they held the belts for uh, Den Caluso, Dennis Carluso. Yeah, and the, we got the straps. We got the belts. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. So we we really had a good run. We did. And we really had some good talent at the time. We were bringing in Jesus Christ. We had Morocco. We had mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin. We had Ivan Koloff, Nikolai Volkov. I mean, we yeah. had some of the big talents that were coming in and going up to Vince at the time. Ted Petty that became home. Oh, Ted Petty. Love Ted Petty. Man. We had so many talent. Yeah, man, Larry. And then we had the fights in the dressing room with hot body, you know, with bad things going oh, on. And they'd bring God. in they'd bring in Eddie Gilbert and they'd bring in oh my God. When you think back, Crockett Broys, remember they brought the whole Crockett clan up there to help Todd out. And then they really ruined it by bringing you know who. Paul. Yep. Once he come in and he sat us all down saying, you guys started this, we're going to take care of you. We saw the writing on the wall. It was well, all right. He, he, he got the hood off of me. He did. And you know what? We didn't know it, but he was working with Vince all that time. Yeah. 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 And all the money. Because ECW we got... was too big. ECW was big. They had a good following. And yeah, I believe it. We got he out at the right time. After he, after, what's his name, Rock and Rebel broke Belomo's jaw and he lost his hearing. I was at the meeting that Sal called, well, I brought Sal in and I brought a couple of the Samoans in. And I, uh, I even said to Sal, let's go in meeting and see because maybe, you know, he'll pay for this. Paulie was at the meeting. Todd was at the meeting. I was at the meeting along with uh, Belomo. And all Sal said, just give me six more matches to pay me so that I can get my jaw fixed in my ear. Next week, they let yeah, him go. Yeah, I love Sal. Oh. Sal was such a great guy. Yeah, that's uh, – but it is what it is. Yeah. Right. We had some fun with him. Yeah, um, and then I went and I trained my cousin and brought – I was bringing him in the ECW at the end there. Snitsky. When we were Snitsky. Uh, you know, no names. <laughs> ah. Yep, trained him, and look where he went. Wow. Yeah. But anyway. Was he at Monday Night Raw recently or something? He showed up 
at Monday Night Raw up in Scranton. He showed up there. They put him in the he went in the dressing room and uh, there was a caption: "53 years old. He don't look too bad." Uh, but no, he didn't sign. Them. He didn't go with them. No, they, they're not. It is fine. Well, not no, not that they're bought out by uh, the Arabs and uh, Dana White and them. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you do but an anyway, Arab gimmick? Didn't you do an Arab gimmick one time? Well, yeah, I did actually. Sheikh Fugan. <laughs> I did that, and I did it against. Uh, I did it at the Good Venture against your best friend Rambo a couple times. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. No, we. You know, oh. when I look at the characters that I played all the years. Well, you did too with that uh, the, the gimmick that you were dressed up like a, a representative or a businessman. I was a lawyer. I was dressed up like uh, Douglas J. Witherspoon the Third. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was so stupid. That was such a stupid gimmick. Well, look at me. I was the first big boss man. Yes, you were. Really? There's still pictures of you out there. When I was working in the prison here, and Vince came and took pictures of me here with the PR24 and the, the outfit with the badge and that. Next thing I know, yeah. they send me overseas and they give it to Bubba Rogers. <laughs> oh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> I should uh, I should at this time bring up Hunter Q. Robbins III, uh, as you guys were alluding to him before, your manager. Um, do you have any stories, guys, on, on Hunter Q. Robbins III? He just recently did a movie, some kind of production. You know, such a talented guy and friend. He did some kind of movie recently. I I couldn't tell you. Let me see if I can look it up real quick. That uh, he Paradox. did the whole production. What's it called? Par Paradox. That's it. That's it. And I... I sent him a message says that we're going to have to make a cameo on the next one. <laughs> well, he's, he's oh, looking man. up here. I'll tell you that this guy is so talented that he was doing B-rated movies before he ended up with us in ECW. And when he, would oh, do yeah. his, when he would do his interviews, he was so wound up that the people hated him. And because he wore this suit, Somehow, one of the guys, I think it was the hat man down there, come up with this idea, Kmart suit, oh. Kmart suit. That next oh, thing you know, for that. Yeah. they took off. That thing took off like unbelievable. Yeah, he but, got a lot of heat for that Kmart suit. I think he actually he, did get it from Kmart. Well, and with the cane, he used the cane as a weapon, broke a lot of them either on you or me after we turned on each other and yeah, was, uh, yeah. No, he's a great you, guy. He he's been in a quite a few little movies, so huh? Yeah, yeah. Now the guy's been pretty talented. I just talked to him recently. I even texted him today and gave him this for tonight to see if he would either try and watch or come in or something or other. But he probably didn't get the message because he's quite busy. But anyhow, yeah. he. He was, I had, we had him at the one show that we brought him in here a couple of years ago. I think down in Philadelphia or somewhere <clears throat> where you left your jacket and then went back a year later and there it was. It was still there. It was such a nice jacket. Hello. What's <laughs> Snooker there or something like that at that yeah. show? The original show we went there a few, well, it's been a year, 
a lot of years. I remember yeah, some of my favorite matches were watching you and Snooker when you were doing some singles. Remember the Aztec Club? You guys wrestled. I mean, I don't think you spent a minute in the ring. You guys were all over the club, outside, inside, jumping off this, jumping off that. That was a great, we were under, great. We were underwater. Yeah. I mean, we you guys under, did we, everything. They, uh, he jumped off the railing on top of me, and we went down in the water there with the ocean or whatever and got pinned underwater. I'm trying to find that tape. I'm still trying to find that tape. But That would be awesome if you could find that. Yeah, no, we, we did a lot. But don't forget now, those the times that we worked there were way better than now, in my opinion. With the TNA, oh, I agree. you know, I mean, ECW started with, with the TNA, with the violence, with the barbed wire, with the nails. I mean, when when Ted Pettick was up here in Jim Thorpe at the Flagstaff, and he come up to me and he said, how do you get with Vince? How do you get with Vince? And then when, uh, what's his name, Mick Foley was up here a couple of times, and I'd come up just to say hello to everybody. He'd say, well, how do you get into Vince? Why are you asking me? I mean, I was lucky enough back in the day to get in because nobody gets in there unless you're family, like the Samoans and the Rock and the whole, you know, the whole family deal, or you know somebody. Right. And there's one thing that he didn't mention was Charlie Fulton. Charlie Fulton back in the day was one of those guys that was so put over back when he started and they faded him out just like the rest, like Rene Goulet and Tony Gurriel. If you ever see the history on these guys, it's just amazing. They, I just read an article today, today on Baron Miguel Cicluna. Back in the day, he was one of the roughest bastards that was on the, on the circuit, and he had so many matches with Bruno San Martino. And today wow. you don't hear nothing about him. And no. years to come, they won't even know us. We don't know. They don't know Super Destroyers today. No. They will. They will. We got to get one of Todd's books to see if we're really in there or not. I, I've just been so reluctant to, to make the purchase and be so disappointed because I never heard anything. And then, of course, he had a big book review and had the, what, the Blue Meanie and, you know, Sandman and all those guys. You know, there's something, yeah. some of those guys involved in everything. But, you know, Eddie Gilbert kind of made a mess. I mean, I remember when Paul Orndorff was coming to some of those shows, but Eddie Gilbert made a mess of it. And then on top of it, then Shane Douglas came along. And then was Shane before or after Paul E? I think it was before. He was with Paul E. He came, did he come just before or right after? About, right. well, about he the was... same time, I guess. Well, you were, you left, I believe, and I still did, I did interviews with Sherry Martell and and uh, and him too, and Paulie was still there, so they were all there together. Shane yeah, Douglas, myself, it was a shame. It, I mean, you could see when they started bringing Mike Awesome in, Tommy Dreamer. There's another one. I can't. I mean, when he worked for Vince, and I called up with Snisky. He, they just, it just was gone too late. Yeah. Where did we but start out? Where did we do that? Um, Michael, Michael J. Smith Sports Bar down, down on Eighth and Market. Uh, no, 
Was it? I think. Did we start there? I thought we did. I remember getting hit with a beer bottle there one night. <laughs> well, that's I don't think it was the hat man. I did. I got hit with a beer bottle. They threw it, and I was like looking down, like, "What the hell hit me?" And I looked down, and there was a beer bottle, but it didn't break. But <laughs> I mean, we, we broke some tables and stuff, didn't we? And then you know, the hat man—he was well, funny. He made it yeah. interesting. Well, we were, or was it at the Tabor Rams, the foot, the baseball? I don't know. We were all over the place. We were going to Jersey and all at that time. Yeah. But Mike Smith's, that was where they had the wire cages that I used to climb up. Yeah. But, you know. I think that's where we broke, uh, what's his name's leg? Yeah. And Jim Neidhart came in a few times. Remember Jim? Yeah. 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 No, that's a good Oh, yeah. Definitely. So I'm just sitting here just enjoying you two just uh, go back and forth with one another. It's, this is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I guess I should bring up, you know, you guys have kind of alluded to how things changed, um, you know, when Paul comes in. And, you know, I've had, a, I've had a bunch of other guys who were in Eastern Championship Wrestling. And um, I kind of feel like a lot of the guys from that kind of portion, right at the beginning, like I'm talking 92, 93, do, do you two feel like uh, a lot of the Eastern Championship wrestling guys don't get the credit that they kind of deserve for this is how the company began and it's all remembered for, you know, the stuff in the late 90s, really. Um, and when you see these documentaries and all that, what are they going on about? They're going on about, you know, Sabu, Raven, Shane Douglas, et cetera, et cetera. But I always feel like the Eastern Championship Wrestling guys kind of get lost uh, in, I don't know, just uh, in history because of, I guess, WWE and the way that they put their documentaries out, the narrative that they put out. Do you, do you guys feel like you don't get the credit or are you and the other guys that you worked with back then, the credit you, you all deserve? Well... I know AJ's got some things to say, but I'll, I'll start out and say, no, we don't get the credit. And there's a lot of guys that didn't get the credit until you start doing some stupid stuff. And, and I don't mean, you know, there's talented people. Then there's people doing stuff that, you know, really wasn't wrestling. It was bar fighting. It was, you know, a lot of gig and a lot of cutting, a lot of, you know, uh, barbed wire and trash cans. And, you know, I remember, uh, what was his name? Glenn, um, Cut his, cut his skull wide open with a trash can. Someone took it over his head. Had to have several tickets remember, or uh, stitches. Remember that? Wasn't AJ? Glenn Osborne, was it? Glenn Osborne, yeah. And now I, I do think that, you know, we were the foundation. And then what they started doing is to get more, you know, obviously some more exposure, some more risky type exposure, making it instead of, I mean, at that point, you know, when they're pulling, when they have strippers working there and pulling their tops down, then, then it wasn't, it wasn't family. It wasn't, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't as much fun because then it was just like, let's see how far we can go and, and see how much, you know, the shock, it's kind of like a shock jock, see what we can do to, uh, you know, create a different audience. And I think, you know, what we were doing at the time with you know we were we were brutal we were you know we were setting the stage and uh no we i i 
definitely know we're one of the ones that didn't get the credit, uh, along with some of the other talents. Sandman went on, but, uh, you know, Sandman's a Sandman. He, he did his thing. I, I think a Sandman, kind of like a, a raw Steve Austin, if you will, drinking a beer, but I think he did it in real life, but it probably still does. But, you know, drinking a beer, drinking the booze, coming out, I mean, all lit up and everything. And then JT, whatever happened to JT, AJ? Remember him? He did some high-flying stuff. And we were just all trying to outdo each other. Who did they bring in? Um, he's been dead for a long time. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, his name, his real name's Brian. And he did like some Brian British Tillman? rocker. What's that? Brian Tillman. I don't That's just... Axel no. Rotten. <laughs> Axel Rotten. Oh, right. Axel Rotten. Yeah. Talented young man, but he had his he had his demons and of course eventually died. Mm. Uh super nice guy. But he came in and did a lot of stupid stuff. And by that time, I think Ted Petty had died. He had a heart attack. And of course Larry Winters died and stuff. Mm. But there's there's a lot of people that started it and um I don't know. Even the regular type workers, unless you know they were trying to get back into WWF or WWE at the time, were just there to uh, you know to kind of ride the coattails, but try to set up a different kind of audience. I think it. I don't know. Evidently, it was successful because it would, you know, ended up getting sold and all that stuff. Probably just to put them to sleep, but I don't know. What do you think, AJ? Oh, you really want me to get pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> I am getting pissed off because when I, I hear and see these guys saying, yeah, we're the ECW originals. Well, where the hell were you in the beginning? How could you be an original if you're not there? I just had it out with one of the guys online here recently, and they said, are you calling me out? Brother, I'm 72 years old, and I'll take any one of you anytime, any place. And he said, well, we were there too, but we weren't there in the beginning. Yeah, you were the ring guy that traveled around the country and became a wrestler then. I get it. But you still weren't an original. And I hate when somebody does that because we set the foundation. Where were you when we were Eastern? Where were you when Joel Goodhart was running it? Mm. Tri-State Wrestling. We were there. Where the hell was everybody? Yeah, Todd really took over and made things happen. And we didn't know what the hell we were doing. I'm not going to lie. Next thing you know, ECW is one of the third biggest companies in the world. And how the hell right. did that happen? How did it right. happen? Hey, I, yeah, Paulie took over. And how much money did he owe everybody? <laughs> and I mean, uh -huh. Bam Bam Bigelow uh -huh. told me he owed him a ton of money. I mean, the, the guy that dressed up with the shorts, oh, my God. I can't think of his name. He's dead now. He Van Dam? To to... Was that Van Dam no. or something? Or No, he dressed up like uh, Mick Foley all the time with the cutoff jeans. He's dead now. He used to go to Japan for Paulie and get all the money. Oh, my God. But anyway, you think about all of this. Yeah, they did what they had to do. Did a lot of them get hurt? The little Spike Dudley. How many operations did he have? How many cadaver pieces did he have put in his legs? Because they beat the living shit out of him. Right. Holy little guy. So did they go there to watch them get hurt? 
or somebody die and how many you know they don't say about one of the guys that died in the in the ring and drug him back to the dressing room and had to get him shoot back to Pittsburgh. Nobody talks about that stuff. Why? I don't understand. So am I pissed off that we don't get recognition? I'd like to see the book and say, yo, the first two-time tag team champion, the Super Destroyers that paved the way. And if you saw some of the remarks now that somebody put in about us, they said that they think the Dudleys held it longer than we did. No. Well, they might have different times, but not all at once like we did, 280-some days. That's, that's right, okay. 283 days, yeah. Was it? So you know what? We're old now, and it's okay. I still dabble. I don't know if he wants to dabble anymore, but <laughs> I still dabble. And that's something that they could never take Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I'm working on it down in Philly with Jose. Let's go. But the, <laughs> I yeah, got one or two left. They could never take it away from us. Never. Remember I told you that time they wanted us to go up to one of the induction ceremonies and they were going to pay us a lot of money. And I said, there's yeah. no way. All we got to do is get cleaned off or get jumped on the national TV. You can kiss our... Uh, our, our uh, reputation goodbye, and that ain't yeah, happening. It's all like about the did. reputation, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like they did with Snooker that time when his own Samoan family beat him up there going down the walkway. I remember, and that is not happening to me. Sorry. Hey, how Anyhow, about? Yeah, I was going to say, how about Appa? Did Appa just turn eighty? Eighty-two, I think. Something like that. Wow. I believe. Yeah, I seen that. Well, yeah. it is what it is. You know, we did we did what we had to do, and I watched one of his programs here with the disorderly conduct. So there's a group that we've never even seen, and some of the guys that we pass in our you know on our tours and all this stuff that we ever did. I'm sure you went over to seas with Dick Kerkhoff. You saw different people over there. Even when I went over to Australia with Vince, we found a guy over there by the name of Sergeant Greenwood, brings him back, and he's out back Jack. Oh, no way. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm, I, had to, I had to come back and work and train him then. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm sure he knows him. I'm, how do you pronounce your first name? Mine. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Carl, but my uh, my stage name is California. California. California, baby. Cali, baby. Cali. Well, I'm sure you heard of Outback Jack. Yes. For, for the longest time, he was the most well-known Australian wrestler that, that I could think of. But nowadays, there's, I don't know how many Australians are wrestling for um, the big company at the moment. So, yeah. Right. Well, back back then they were using the movie there, uh, Crocodile oh. Dundee, and that's why we brought him back when we yeah. were doing that tour back in the day. And you've seen that folder there at Perth, Adelaide, Launceston. Yeah, we were Sydney. We were all over the place. And I'll tell you, a great country. I loved it over there. And our money was twice the value of yours at the time. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pain in the pain in my butt that that, that uh currency difference between our, our countries. So. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> yeah. doubt. 
what were the big topic questions that you had on your head? I, I, you know what, I, I really did want uh, to ask about the uh, mask versus mask match at Ultra, Ultra Clash, excuse me, 1993 between the two of you. Um, and I guess you guys have both kind of mentioned a little bit about it too um, and how things were changing. Uh, and I've had other guys on the show say that once once management changed and Paul came in, uh, uh, the Easter guys were, were were cast aside and he brought in his own people that he wanted there. Um, but how did you two feel after, you know, being longest reigning ECW Tag Team Champions of all time, uh, had the belts twice, uh, and now you're going to be split up here and you're going to have this mask versus mask match to end the team in ECW. I felt like, ahead, yeah, I felt like a chump. I felt like, well, when we went, you know, found out, you know, this is the, this is the gimmick. This is what's going to happen. I felt like, well, this is the end of the super D's, obviously. You know, they talked about, you know, we're going to have it, you know, we're going to break you apart and then we'll have you, we'll have a storyline that gets you back together, you know, because Hunter Q was a big part of that. So, I mean, as soon as they broke us up, you know, with the, you know, I lost the match, of course, and the hood and everything. So <laughs> then they gave me this gimmick. I don't know, what was it? Mountain Man or something stupid? Lumberjack. Lumberjack. And, um, my my finish was going to be the heart punch, and I I can still to this day, seeing how Paul Lee was showing me this is what you got to do you got to you got to telegraph it you got to really show this is your heart punch boom, and um, you know they had me standing on a box doing an interview. I mean I I was six foot five at the time. They had me like six foot ten, and uh, six foot eleven, and I think my first match, which was. I think I was done. I was just like, I don't even want to come back. It was with uh, Larry Winters. I don't know if you remember that, AJ, but I did a match with Larry Winters. I I don't even know if it's even out there. But I was pretty much done. I don't even know. It's kind of like when the WWF was calling me for house shows. You know, they were mostly dark, like Maryland, Virginia, after a while, when you stop saying, oh, I can't make that show, I can't make that show, they stop calling you. Mm. And that's kind of how, you know, I kind of backed off on on that. And um, I don't know. That 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 did me in after that, after everything we had done. Right. And, and how did you feel, AJ, about, you know, the team being split up at that stage? Because it, it seemed like after the split, you guys both weren't there much longer. Oh. Well, to be honest, uh, you did some Paul, singles. Yeah, we did a. Well, you know what? What happened to him happened to me too. Paulie pulled me to the side and he says, "Look, it. We know you, you. We can't take the mask off you." And he said, "We're gonna run you against some of the bigger shots." And that's when he had me actually doing interviews with Shane Douglas and Sherry. And do some stupid nonsense with Hunter Q against him because he was with the, the the blondes, Chris Candido and whatever whoever his partner was at that time. That was and, your uh, buddy. That was your buddy. Yeah. yeah well, it happens. Not like Chris, that but the other guy. What was his name? Johnny Hotbody. Johnny Hotbody. The guy that got beat up a little. But oh, you you ripped these earrings out. 
you don't piss on Natalia. Rip these right? earrings out in the corner. That oh, happens. Man. But anyway, and then you did it in the locker room. We, well, if you wouldn't have held me back, I think we would have had a. a, a no, yeah, it would have been team. ugly. Yeah, <laughs> but still anyway, be in jail. You know it all happened so quick. Even at the end, there you could see the writing on the wall. You're coming out as a lumberjack. We spent all this time together developing this, figuring that we we're going to last a little bit longer. Next thing you know, in comes Public Enemy. They bring these monster heavy set guys that are 500 pounds together. I forget their names. And they wanted us to work, you know, they wanted to push them over and get those guys. And then they bring in Axel Rotten and his so-called brother, and it was already too late. And I thought, you know what? It's over. And We're then done. the violence, it started the violence again with the, the barbed wire and then like, you know, with all that oh, bullshit. Bring your, own, bring your own weapons to the show. They were bringing <laughs> ironing boards and, and, you know, ironings and baseball bats and oh, come on what the hell kind of show is this now but i think we did the best what we could do at the time we did what we had to do and we did and everything turned out we were there we were there when it was started even when eastern was still running and then they changed it to ex extreme and don morocco i still remember <laughs> we had a whole lumberjack match and he said he, me and him went to the corner. It's still out in the tapes. And he said, these people are idiots hitting each other with garbage cans and they're going to get hurt. And they're doing this with, this ain't WWF. This is the low, at that time, it was a low class. It was the third rank. We didn't know it. But again, it was somebody just starting. And again, I don't think Todd Gordon knew what the hell was happening, really. He does now. But now he's capitalizing on it. And again, we're back to, am I pissed? Sure. You can at least say, hey, these guys did start it. We did do what we had to do. And we helped a lot of guys. I mean, that one Dudley guy that I didn't even know he went on to be one of the Dudleys that we beat up in the beginning. Well, I can't think of his it's name. Uh, uh, Bay Ragney? Yes. He's one of he the always... uh, Hell Riders. Right. Oh, yeah. Always... Yeah. He always gives us great, great reviews and says, these guys taught us a lot. And they, they were really helping us out because we were a little older and we had more matches. And every time we'd go to an independent show, we'd say to our opponents, how long you've been wrestling? Oh, I've been wrestling eight years. How many matches have you had in eight years? Uh, well, eight, eight, <laughs> well yeah. this is the way it's going to go, guys. But, uh, yeah, you know, we should have a little bit, maybe a little bit. Now, we're not asking for nothing, and we never did ask for nothing. Yeah. We were out there. We did what we loved to do. We got to travel. We got to see. We got to meet a lot of people, even in the small indies that we did, even with the guys out in Maryland that we did. I mean, it was such a great thing and an honor to do what we did. And you can't take it away. It's memories. It's history. It's life, and I enjoyed every minute. And if I could go back in time and do it over again, I would. Yep, me too. Well, that's I might nice kick Paul E's ass, though, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. Because I was going to say, even if, uh, you know, you feel like um, 
you haven't been given the props you guys deserve uh, from, you know, maybe Todd in his book or something like that. I know it might not mean as much, but I'm from Perth, Western Australia, most isolated city in the world. Uh, and I know who you guys are. So that's pretty big, right? Because you reached all that way, all that way over here. And in 2023, I know that the Super Destroyers are legends. And and that's why I was so excited to have you guys on the show here today. Um, Thank you so much, Callie. Thank you, California, baby. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, what are you, what are you um, trying yeah. to say? He's signing us off. It's uh, past an hour. I think we're done. No, no. We're I mean, done. If, you guys, if you guys are happy to keep going, I'm happy to keep going. I, I do have a couple. No, of it's questions. getting late. I got to work tomorrow. You're retired, <laughs> don't AJ. Don't be cursing. <laughs> I didn't curse. Not yet. Yes, you did. You said that W word. Oh, W O R K. I got you. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, oh we California. The... I've enjoyed hey, the talk, man. Uh, we enjoyed this. Hey, uh, tomorrow, if you want to come up to my neck of the woods, uh, Mr. Douglas, Shrug Day, seven thirty, and and I don't mean the time. Seven hundred and thirty pound shrugs tomorrow. Which are? Well, both of them, you dumb cluck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, well, listen. Then. Yeah, it's getting late. I gotta, I gotta take my Metamucil. <laughs> <laughs> what time do they have to have you back at the home i don't know who knows i don't know you missed cookies well, and milk tonight aj well i gotta call ron shaw now and tell him i did another podcast because he's been doing them like crazy you should have ron ron shaw on your podcast too i absolutely would love to yeah good dude well, California, thank you, man. Thank you, hey, hey, thank you, guys. I would love to have you both on again at some point in the future. Um, but there's there's still more stuff we could talk about. I think we could. I, I could sit here and just watch you talk uh, together for for an hour, and I'd be thoroughly entertained. So, um, to have you guys back at some point would be great. Absolutely, hey. we enjoyed it. Thanks for getting us all together. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Yep. Make two and there's stuff that we couldn't tell you about the first time out just to keep you teased. <laughs> <laughs> Always a teaser. Well, listen, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. You too. All, All right. right. Thank you, That's guys. That's it. Oh, we'll find out how to get this damn camera working, too. <laughs>